Good morning. Good to see you all here uh, today. Just a couple of things before we get started. One, just a reminder that we're going to have communion at the end of the uh, service. So if you're here and you haven't gotten the communion cups, there are there in the back be, behind those doors there, uh, and you can get one. Would encourage you uh, before we get to the end of the service. And for those of you that join us online, we're so glad. Uh, that, that you're uh, with us today, and I especially want to send greetings to some of my friends. I noticed on my watch party that I'm doing, uh, there were some folks I hadn't seen for a while, and so I'm just really glad that you're, you're joining us. Uh, and I would encourage our people at home, uh, grab uh, some bread and some juice and uh, be ready, and we'll do communion together uh, at, at the end. So last week, I, I kind of did a sermon that, that was kind of a pivotal point for us that we're going to reference uh, back to uh, and and uh, this this was it. Anyone know what that means? Circles are greater than rows. Yeah, circles are better than rows. That we, kind of what we, we talked about. Circles are better uh, than rows. Uh, so I, I just want you to say that again because we're going to do this. Say circles are better than rows. Yeah, um, we, we just we really believe that there's there's something powerful that happens in in a circle that's harder for it to happen in the row, uh, and I, and I think you can have circles and maybe not have rows, but I'm not sure you can have rows and not have circles, and that's just the heart of it, and that's the way the early church uh, worshipped, um, and so this week we kind of want to continue that idea, uh, over, and, but we're going to press forward a little bit, and I want to talk about the Great Commission. How many of you know what the Great Commission is? You familiar with that? Yeah, the Great Commission. Uh, we're going to read that in a little bit. But it's kind of the marching orders for the church. It's our purpose. It's our, our mission. It, it's, it's what we're uh, about. And the, the difficulty I find with the Great Commission is we tend to look at it kind of through the lens of, of modern uh, Western American kind of worldview. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that worldview, but it's just not the worldview that they had in the first century. Uh, so this morning I want to see if we can kind of um, help you kind of develop a, a deeper understanding uh, because there's sometimes some misunderstandings that, that come out of that. You okay with that? It doesn't matter whether you're okay with it or not. I'm going to preach it, same thing either way. But I just thought, thought I'd ask you. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 28, uh, 18 uh, through 20 is, is kind of the Great Commission. Um, and just a reminder, as you're, as you're doing that, you can look up your Bible, the physical Bible, or uh, online. Uh, we have them on our app as, as well. It's the end of Jesus' ministry. He is, he's done with everything. He has uh, come, he lived among, came, lived among us, uh, taught, uh, gave his life for us, raised from, the, from death, and broke the power of sin and death. <laughs> broke the power of sin and death. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> um, and and uh, now he's about ready to wrap it up and, and go on. And so he's told his disciples to go to a mountain uh, and, and wait for him. Uh, and so uh, let me, let me kind of just jump into this. So verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, he saw, when they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. And I'm not going to uh, talk a lot about this, but just really quickly. Uh, number one, uh, doubting is okay. That none of these people left the faith. These would be gone to become the disciples, the, the apostles, the giver of the message. But some doubted. And so for those of you that tend to walk around with a lot of questions, welcome to the club. I have lots of questions too. But doubting is not in and of itself uh, a sin. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it leads to good answers. And also, they worshipped him. There's always been this natural impulse to, to worship Christ. Uh, worship is, is life-giving for us. And, and so you remember in the Transfiguration, they just wanted to stay up on the mountain forever. That's kind of what's happening here they're encountering the living lord and they and, and they want to worship but <laughs> jesus knew this worship can be so powerful 
that sometimes we end up putting all of our time into that and we miss the mission or we, we kind of deprive the mission. And so what Jesus says next is super, super important. He goes on to say, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given uh, to me. Uh, so there's the, basically the God's got this uh, thing. Don't be afraid. And the interesting sort of thing is the word there uh, for authority. Uh, it includes the power to make something happen. So sometimes you'll meet someone that has the authority, but they don't really have the power. Or worse yet, if you have been given responsibility, but you haven't been given the power to make it happen, that's an awful situation. I had that happen a couple of times uh, when I was in the marketplace. But, but the word in Greek actually carries the idea of God, of Jesus has both the authority and he has the power to bring it in, into being. Um, so it goes on then. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay? So, um, basically in this, you have one promise that we have kind of up there right now, this promise, I am with you uh, to the very end of the age. And then you have four commandments in the, in the Great Commission. And I'm going to do kind of 30,000 feet over, over this, and then we're going to kind of narrow down into the first little bit of this uh, this morning. So, the, the, the promise is, I am with you always, even to the end of time, or to the end of age. Uh, and th- the reason this is in there is because he has just given them a big set of marching orders to go into all the world and to, to preach the, the gospel. And so what he wants to assure them with at the, at the end of this is that uh, you absolutely can trust God. Absolutely always. Nothing can separate you. Over and over again in Scripture we get this idea that God is with you no matter what. And He will always be with you. But I I love this kind of end of time or end of age kind of uh, uh, language that's used here. Because it it draws up for me an image that I didn't really talk about in the Bible. But I I grew up, you know, and we've been around kind of apocalyptic, you know, end of the world kind of movies and that sort of thing. And so when I read this, I always have this image of of me kind of standing in, you know, the the wiped out world that's been nuked. And everything's flat and everything's dead and there's nothing left. It's the end of humanity. It's all gone. And there I stand. And there is Jesus with me. When you come to the end of the age... When everything is gone, when there is nothing less, he says, surely I am with you to the very, very end. Whether that is the end of time or whether that is the end of my time or, or your time, Christ is with you. And historically, Christians have always held on to this during great persecutions and in prison and torture and hiding in caves and stoned and uh, running from ugly mobs. All that Christians have endured, we've held on to this, that God is with us. All the way to the very end. He will not abandon us, not even at, at the end. And, and we are blessed to live in a free society so that we don't face that. But this passage also kind of applies to the trials of life. He promises to be our, our comfort when we're facing difficult circumstances. And one of the things I've shared with you before, but just still amazes me in some ways, is I think some of the times I was closest to God when, was when I was in the hospital and I was taking chemo. And I wondered whether I was going to live. And because Jody had a problem going on health-wise, she couldn't really come up and visit me. And, and that was just, and, and it should have been some of the worst times of my life, but it was some of the sweetest times of my life because of the closeness of God. I am with you, even to the end. 
That is good news for all of us, okay? And, and so just kind of uh, to say it uh, in another way, uh, the promise here, God is with you always. Always, 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 always. Look to the person next to you and say, God is with you always. Don't let them forget that. So let's look then at, at the commandments. That's the promise. No matter, no matter what happens when you follow the commandments, God will be with you always. God will be with you in every part and every piece of this. So the, the first commandment is pretty simple. It's go. And, and the word here means take action. It's an action verb. It means travel. It means leave where you are and go someplace else. Uh, and then the second uh, thing is and make disciples. So going and making disciples aren't necessarily the same thing. But usually you have to go in order to make a disciple. And interestingly enough... Um, and, and this is for any of you that are, that are Greek nerds, okay? And I know we have some in a church. I know we have some watching online. Uh, this is a, an imperative command. That means it's a, it's a command. It's an order to do it. And if you're really Greeking out, it's, it's an aorist tense, which we don't have in English. But it has the idea of completed action in the past. So the go and make disciples, this is the business of actually winning people to Christ. It's a completed kind of action. But you know there's more to, to uh, discipleship than that, but we'll get to that. And then it goes on, verse 3, it says, Baptizing them in a particular way, which is the Trinity formula, which is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. And by the way, just so you know, next Sunday at our 11 o'clock service, we are going to have a baptism service. Uh, we have four people that are going to be baptized, and so I'm really, really excited about that. You that are online, you'll be able to see uh, that as well. We'll do it right at the end of the service. And there is no greater holy party moment in the Church of Jesus Christ than baptism. <laughs> Say, woohoo! Okay, kind of getting you warmed up because next week we're going to celebrate uh, together, okay? So, and also, by the way, uh, if you have become a follower of Jesus and you have not been baptized, next Sunday's the time. Contact me. Contact us, office at generationscommunity.org or Pastor Craig at generationscommunity.org. We would love to include you uh, in this baptism as well. Uh, if you if you've know Christ but you haven't been baptized, it's a part of the commandment, in fact, that we, that we believe and be baptized, okay? And then the fourth fourth command is teaching them to obey everything. And the word here for teach is not the, the rows, it's the, um, it's, it's the um, circles is what it is here. It's that, that kind of teaching, uh, pouring your life into it, uh, and the obey is uh, observant, so growing them spiritually. So we're going to look at some of those others in the, the coming weeks, but the, uh, the, I want to focus in on the, the go and make disciples. So here's what I know about the go part. Go means go. I, I know that seems obvious, but most of my life growing up in the church, I read, go and make disciples, and we never went anywhere. We just kind of invited people to come to church. But that's not what it says. It says, go and make disciples. Leave the place you are currently and travel to another place and get engaged in the business of leading people to Jesus. If we could kind of put that all in English. It says, go, go from someplace. It doesn't say, go to church. This is not a command to unbelievers. This is a command to believers. It says, go and make disciples. I'm telling you, it really doesn't say, go to church, which is what we tend to do. We invite people to church. Nothing wrong with that. Inviting people to church is good, but that's not technically what it says there. And, I, and I'm telling you, I've read it in the Greek. Nowhere does it say, go to church, Okay. No place does Jesus say, uh, get people to go to church. But he does tell us to go. Um, it, go means you must uh, uh, go. Uh, so 
two, two misconceptions about this, okay? Which is a part of the problem with understanding the go to us. The first one is, is those of you that grew up uh, in the church, some people think go means you must go to a foreign land. That if you're not a missionary, you're not involved in the going part. And that is wrong. Go, missionaries certainly go, amen? You know, they give up all kinds of stuff to go. But, but that's not, strictly speaking, what this means. Uh, and some people will get called to this, but not, not, not most people. Another one is uh, go into all the world means uh, all the parts of, of your world. This is, what, this is the truth. Go into all the world means go into all the parts of your world. And we're going to talk about what that looks like in a bit. But when he said go, he, he, he meant you are to go to the places where God has put you. So, so we don't get out of the going just because we're here and just because we can't go to a foreign land. Go means us. Go means go. In fact, to put another point on it, uh, go means going to them. Going to the people that don't know Jesus uh, around us. And, and, and it's, a, it's a part of, of that, that process of, of winning them to the Lord, okay? We don't go as tourists. We go on a mission that Christ has given to us. We don't go as sightseers. We go to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And it, it's this mission of, of sending other people, of sending us out. So let me say this. When I say go means going to them, Jesus was talking to you and, and to me. He wasn't just talking to people that go to the mission field. He was talking to folks that, that live in a place like Marysville. And some of you have lived in Marysville for generations. I envy you that because of God's call on my life to go. I've had to live in several different parts of the country. I haven't had to live in a foreign country, so that, that's, that's good. I thought originally God was going to make me go to China and eat bugs. And I was like, oh, you know. He's let me, he's let me do ministry in Marysville, which is a pretty good place to do ministry. But he means we're to go to the people uh, around us uh, in, in all that we do. But now, now I'm going to do what my dad would say, give up preaching and go to meddling for just a minute. Uh, just So here's, here's what I know to be true. The longer you have been a follower of Jesus, the more you have to work at going. It, it really is. It's, it's fun. We have some people who've accepted Christ in recent months, and it's, it's just fun to disciple them because they're so excited about their faith. You know, they just want to share with everybody. i got to tell you what Jesus did to me, you know? It, it, and it, it's exciting to, 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 to be with them. And, and they have lots and lots of unchurched friends, right? So there's, the mission field for them is big. It's like I, they just got to go down their address book, you know, and, hey, so can I tell you what Jesus did for me? But there's this phenomenon we know about that when a Christian, someone becomes a follower of Jesus, within three to five years, they have almost no close personal friends that aren't followers of Jesus. Because we enjoy worship so much, we enjoy church so much, and pretty soon that, that falls away. And so for those of us that have been a Christian for longer than three to five years, which is probably almost everybody in this room, we have to work at, at going to them, to going to people uh, around us. And then it doesn't say just go, it says go and make disciples okay once we have these meaningful relationships uh, and this is the idea of, of of a newly minted follower of jesus how many of you ever had an opportunity to hang out with the brand new followers of jesus man you you that, that's so much fun especially if they're adult making disciples means in this context helping them step over the line of faith Helping them move from darkness to light. Helping them move from not being a follower of Jesus to, to being a, a follower of Jesus. And they may not be mature. They won't be mature spiritually. 
They have a lot to learn. There's a, a lifetime of following Jesus. But now they are a part of the family. And, and so often, this is, this is just so important, the model that most of us grew up with was that this happens in rows. And if you don't think that's true, who's the greatest evangelist you've ever heard of? Dr. Billy Graham, without a doubt. And how did he win people to Christ? In rows. In rows. That's how he did that. And that was a unique and wonderful time during that revivalism era. But I'm going to be honest with you, when they did long-term studies of how many of those people were still following Christ years and years later, it was a horrible drop-off. And I think the reason there was a horrible drop-off was because they never got from the rows to the circle. And in fact, if you read that passage in Acts that we talked about last week, it said they were growing daily, which means the growth was mostly coming out of the circles where people would invite people in and they'd tell people, and you can just see those first century Christians going, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I, I met this guy that didn't speak my language, but he told me about Jesus in my own language. It was craziness. I've seen these miracles, there's these things, they, they'd been changed radically and they, they shared their faith. They, they, be, they brought others into that. In fact, part of our problem is sometimes our, our language. Sometimes we think, say things like getting saved. And the difficulty with that is it sounds like it's kind of a one and done, sort of fill out a contract, sign up for a condo kind of a thing, you know? And that's not what's being talked about here. What's talked about is, is, is this relationship with, with Christ. And this, this verb tense of make disciples is, is this, this moment that, that is followed by a lifetime of service, of, of being converted. Disciples are best made, uh, in fact, next, next thing, disciples are best made in circles, not rows. See that little thing up there? Circles, you know, are better than rows. Get used to that, because that's going to show up on stuff, you know, and it'll be our little insider language. Circles are better than rows. But you make disciples. In fact, I think the only way you can really make a disciple is in a circle, not in a row. Rows are about information. Circles are about relationship. And I just want to clue you in this. When you read in the Bible over and over again about teaching, it's almost always talking about teaching that's done in circles, not teaching that's done in rows. And when we think about teaching, we tend to think about teaching as done in rows. And so part of our problem in understanding the Great Commission is that, that we want people to come to know Christ, but then in order to be discipled, it has to happen in, in a, a circle of some sort. When they become a follower of Jesus, they enter into relationship with him and into relationship with us. That's what baptism is. The original purpose, originally baptism, was about becoming a part of the church, of the body of, of believers, and so every time we baptize somebody who's a new follower of Jesus, they're a part of us. They're our people. Amen? And we take care of our people. Amen? And, and that's what that means. You've got to get into a circle in order to, discipleship, to disciple them and, and, and grow them. And that means, in this day and age, for sure, some sort of home church. Some sort of, of micro church. Some sort of thing that can exist in, in a living room. And, and so... Discipleship happens in circles, not rows, okay? Genuine friendship is the bridge that brings the gospel to lost people. Genuine friendship is the bridge that brings the gospel to lost people. And this has always been the case, but we live in a post-Christian era, so this is more the case than ever before. A part of what made Billy Graham and, and big evangelistic campaigns work was we lived in an era where there was a lot of understanding of Christendom. 
People knew the language. They knew when he invited them to come and be saved. They knew what that meant. They had memories of, of their parents going to church, or maybe they grew up in church as a kid, and so they had some of that language. But that world has completely changed today. It's completely different. We live especially in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it is not very Christian out here. Okay? It's, it's just very different. And so, so it has to be relationship. So if, if someone were to walk up to you and tell you, man, I, I have good news for you. The Koran says that if you do this and this and this, you'll be saved. You're going to go, uh, hey, I have a great, our, our, our mom has a great sermon series on how you can live a better life from the Koran. Is that going to make you go to, go to one of those? Probably not, you know. The, 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 the Bible sounds like that to in our environment today. We say, hey, the Bible says. They're going to like, well, I don't care what the Bible says. But you know what they do care about? They do care about the relationship with you. They do care about what they have seen in your life. That, that, that you're different. That you respond differently than other people. When everybody's afraid and the sky is falling, there's something about those Christians that they're not afraid there's something about those Christians. They, lived, they, they returned good for evil. Where did that come from? There's something that was so kind to me. They, they helped me. They, they did this thing. You see, genuine friendship is the bridge. They, they may not listen to the Bible until after they become a follower of Jesus. But they listen when they see the Bible lived out in real people's lives. So let's talk a little bit about ways to go. How can we go as a church and as individuals? Number one, uh, you, you can go across the room. And by this I mean to your friends and your family and your colleagues, to, to, to across the office, to a person you know who's got something going on in your life and you say something like, can I just pray for you? You know, you know you, Most people, if they got stuff going on, they'll let you pray for them. You know? so, what can I do for you? You, know, you can start spiritual conversations. And, and please, please listen and talk less. Don't, don't talk until they give you permission, you know, until they ask a question. Until, so you can say, what's going on in your life? How are you doing spiritually? All of those sorts of things. Go across the room, the, the short, close relationships. Then you can go across the street. This is your neighbors, people you do business with. It's not quite like people you have a real deep relationship with, but it's people you had some other relationship with. I've, I've heard people say, go to, go to the same restaurant and get to know people in the restaurant. And, and by the way... <laughs> having come out of the Midwest where everyone went to lunch after church, please tip well. Because I am telling you, in the, the server community, Christians are regarded as stingy because they tip poorly. You know, you think that makes them attracted to Jesus? Probably not. So how we treat people matters in that. And then... Go across the town. Uh, this is the service groups and clubs and kids sports. You know, one of the things I miss most about this stage in life is I got to have relationships and talk to people about Jesus when my kids were playing soccer or doing diving or gymnastics and all of those. That was a natural across the town kind of connection where we can talk to people about Jesus. And, and then number four, go across the world. Some of us need to get involved in some sort of short-term uh, missionary work. Whether it's a mission trip, I know with COVID those aren't happened, but we usually run one once a year out of here. Or, or maybe it's with a medium size. My, my daughter spent a couple of years in, in Ecuador doing a, a little bit. And maybe some of you, maybe some of you, God is calling you to long-term missions. And for maybe some of you, there's financial support for missionaries who are around. We call it faith promise here. It's our big time to, to raise money. And then, just lastly, if not go, then come.
And I am aware, especially as we get a message that goes out um, all over the place, that it, it might be that you've listened to this message and, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and the going isn't really what applies, that what you need to respond to is the message of Jesus to come and follow me. And maybe this morning God is talking to you about that, that, that you can enter into this life that these Christians have, that, that you want that thing. And I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing in the world. Good news, God can forgive your past, and everybody has a past. Amen. Okay? Everybody has stuff that we don't want anybody to see about. But he can forgive that. It's like a weight that's lifted off of you. And he can give you new life, and it's a new beginning, and he can heal things that are broken and make things new in your life. And all you have to do is ask him. The invitation to come and follow Jesus. And so I'm going to pray in just a minute, and and we're going to take communion. But during that prayer, I'm going to give you the opportunity to become a follower of Jesus. And all you have to do is ask him to come into your life and tell him that you will follow him. Ask him to forgive your sins. And he will make you a new creation. And then we ask that you let us know so that we can help you. Because this is a row situation. Even with, with a video camera, it's a, it's a row situation. And we need to get you in a circle so you can get connected and you can grow spiritually and you can experience the joy that comes through growth. Uh, through growing in Christ. And if you pray that prayer and would like to get baptized next Sunday, 11 o'clock, let us know. We'd love to make you a part of that. But, but this, this thing called communion represents the, the, the family table for us. It is, it is the place where we gather and we're reminded of what Christ done, has done for us. It's a, a place of remembrance and a place of celebration and a, and a place of joy uh, as we come together. And so uh, we are going to come together now with the Lord's table. So if you would uh, gather these up, if you have them as we move into communion, and if you, you pull that top little piece off, there's two pieces there. There's a little filament piece that I can't seem to get a hold of. You pull back that, that'll give you the, the piece of bread uh, here. Uh, and then underneath that, you pull the next one back, and that'll open up the juice. And I'm going to open up this very carefully and then set it down so I don't, uh, don't spill it on myself. But I, I just want to remind you that this morning that God is here. He is with us. He is among us. He is working. And God is with you as well. God isn't limited to this church building. He is in your home there. And if you're looking for new life in Christ, He is with you. God is with you even to the end of the age, He said. And He's with you in, in your living room here as well. And I want to ask God's blessing on these elements before we partake of them. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your presence. <laughs> even to the end of the age, even when there is nothing left, that you will still be there with us. Thank you, Father, that you send us to go and spread the good news, whether it be across the room or across the street or across town or across the world, Father, that you, you send us and you let us participate in that. Thank you, Father, that you are the God who changes lives, who makes everything new, who forgives pasts, Father, that you are the one that, that is involved in all of that. And so we say, Father, as we come to your table, come Holy Spirit. Awaken the dry bones of our spiritual being, Father, and, and dwell in this place. I pray, Father, now especially for that one that this morning knows that they need to, to come rather than go, that you are calling them and they're seeking new life in you, Father, that they want you to come in and make a difference in their life. And so, uh, Father, I just encourage them just... If that's your person, just pray in your head right now. Father God, come into my life. 
And then say, forgive me of my past. And then say, I will follow you all of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer, Christ makes you new in this very moment. You are a new creation. Welcome to the family. And we invite you to participate in the Lord's table. I give to you what I received from the Lord. On the night our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the body of the Lord. After supper, he took the cup. And when he had again given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. Whenever you do this, do this remembering me, remembering the sacrifice, remembering the gift, remembering that we are family and that we have eternal life together. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Let us drink of his cup. Father, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for your table. Thank you for new life in Christ. We pray, Father, that you would inhabit now these words as we sing together and celebrate, Father, what you have done. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.